welcome to Biggest Geekus. We're your hosts. I am Joe. And I'm Randy. This is episode 37 of our podcast, and the date is May 19th, 2021. How's it going? Uh, pretty good, and we uh, just completed CabinCon. We'll have a big discussion at the, in the segment with that, and uh, feeling pretty good. Got to get back to the everyday, but that's okay. Heck of a yeah, time. Yeah, the real world beckons. It does. All right, so how about we jump right in to call-ins? Sounds good. And I'm going to have to share my screen. Um, Jenny's got an appointment. She might come in and, you know, say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. As long as she returns and says hello, right? Yes. All right. Messages galore. Yes. Starting with Taylor. Okay. Clerics wear ring mail. Nice. Good morning, Joe and Randy. Uh, this is Taylor of Clerics Wear Ring Mail fame uh, calling in this morning. Uh, I had gotten up a little early. Uh, it is 7.20 as I record this message uh, with the hope of beating Jason. Uh, but then I realized I probably ought to listen to the episode first. So calling in a little late. I'm talking about game balance. When you have too much balance, so C-R-E-L, that kind of stuff, it becomes a math problem and not an adventure. Your players figure out that they have X encounters uh, with Y adversaries before the return on the risk is diminishing, and then so they'll retreat. That's not the kind of game I like. I like the kind of game where I feel like I could die at any moment. That's interesting because we know a few people who don't like that. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that, Taylor. Um, of course, I'm the one doing the killing, but I do like a type of game where Joe's character could die at any moment. So Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> the best kind of balance is on the player side, where the player is balancing the risk of running out of resources against the reward of pulling gold out of the murder hole. So hit points are a resource. Torches are a resource. Rations are a resource, all of them expended or spent in the pursuit of the objective of the session. It's about being creative, and the big aspect of enjoyment in the game is applying that creativity to re- minimize the amount of resources you need to expend and maximize the amount of time spent productive in the adventure. Now, I recognize not every game goes like that, and not every person enjoys that, but hey, there are people out there who don't like barbecue. This is America. It's okay for people to be wrong about stuff. But them's my two cents, and uh, enjoy CabinCon. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing stories about it in upcoming episodes. A murder hole. I love that, Taylor. That is so good. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm clarify. He is talking about like going into the dungeon where you start murdering things. You think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that phrase. You know, after Cabin Con, actually, I and running the white box a couple of times, I have a longing for resource management. Dude. I have a longing for you to keep track of your flask of oil and if your lanterns can be lit and who has dark vision and who doesn't. I mean, I noticed an old school. Nobody had dark vision written down. I mean, on the rules, so or even low light. So I don't know. I, I think there's a place for that. And there's a place for Thirteenth Age where it's Gonzo, where the heroes out the gate. So 
yeah, there's room for everybody in America. I agree. And I love barbecue, by the way. Yes, barbecue is awesome. Yeah, that kind of plays especially good at low level because low level, low power, uh, low resources are all, uh, well, one reason to go adventuring in the first place because you don't yeah. have many resources. Don't you got nothing. More. I ain't got nothing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all great at the low end of the game. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to have to count all my torches when we're always all the way up at the upper end of the game. Probably won't be using torches anyway. Right. But, and and I think it's a matter of uh, could be a reason why many of our OSR friends like low level play. They must really just dig that. And you got to worry about every little copper. You got to know about what's up. And, oh, my gosh, our porter died. We have to go back to town and get a porter to hold our crap. And, you know. I like the fun of that, but I, I'm with you. I think six, eh, not even six, maybe even fifth level, sixth level in a standard D&D game, players start to need that stuff less. And definitely when you're in the high end, when you become a lord or, you know, an arc mage, you don't need to be worrying about stupid torches and even food. You can conjure food. So, right, right. Yeah. Okay, next up is John Allen Large. Big John. All right, guys, it's John here, just listening to your latest episode about that elusive game balance. And I've got to laugh when you were saying sleep is for the week. I help run um, games on demand, which are like sort of two-hour like little taster drop-in games at the, um, the UK Games Expo, which is one of like the biggest conventions over here. And uh, I, I sort of like came in a bit later. A friend of mine, Lloyd, runs it, and he asked me to come along and jam it. And we've got to like several points during it because you're pretty much like you run like a two-hour game session with a load of random people, pre-gen characters. You run like your little two-hour taste session. You've got a number of different systems. People select what they want to play. Then you probably have like a 15 to 20-minute break, depending on how many people there are. Then you straighten to another game. So you end up running like a lot of games sort of in quick succession. And we've honestly got to a number of occasions throughout the course of the convention. You know, um, he mentioned something there, uh, and thanks for calling, John. I was you mentioned Games Expo. I've heard a lot of folks talk about that in the UK. Um, that sounds pretty darn big. I do wonder, just as a side note, how that compares to Gen Con in size, because I do believe Germany has the biggest uh, gaming convention of all. It's either called I can't I'm not sure the order of the words. My uh, lovely German daughter Lottie would probably be blasting me for this. As a foreign exchange student we had a couple of years ago, stayed. It's Essen or Spiel. Uh, Spiel Essen. I don't know. I mean, I may be pronouncing. It may not even be the word. But there's a big one that I think is the largest convention in the world. Maybe John could clarify how the ranking goes between Essen slash Spiel, whatever that is, in Germany, Games Expo in UK, and then Gen Con in the US. I don't think Gen Con's number one. It may be number three. I don't know. And Gen Con's big. Gen Con's big at eighty thousand, at least pre-COVID. Eighty thousand is a lot of folks. Right. Well, Lloyd and Hannah have taken like one look at me after I've run like a load of games, and they're just like, "John, go upstairs to your hotel room, get like at least an hour sleep." And I'm like, "No, no, I'm all right. So good. I can carry running some games." And they're like, "No, go upstairs and get some sleep. You look rough as fuck." And then eventually they sort of win me over and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go and get like an hour's sleep. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like the desire to just press on and not worry about it is strong. But, you know, eventually we all have to succumb to that somnambulant bandit sleep. Anyway, I'm going to get back to listening to the episode, guys. Take it easy. Now, I would be afraid, and I was at CabinCon, the idea of taking a nap during one of the 
my open times crossed my mind. But then I thought, dude, if you lay down and go to sleep, you'll miss the next slot. So, <laughs> of course, Joe would be kicking the bed before that. Get up, you lazy dungeon master. There's only room for one lazy dungeon master in this world. Give us games. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. John again. What can I say, guys? Just listening to the game balance negative material playing. And to be honest, you're going to have to stop making so much sense in that. Otherwise, people are shock horror going to think I'm maybe a little bit pessimistic. But I've got to say, I pretty much agree with you guys. For me, it's less important. Are you part of the OSR community or are you part of this community or that community? What matters to me is basically, are you an idiot are you a bellend? Can, can I can I get on with you? Can we enjoy each other's company and play some games and have fun? That matters far more to me than whatever community someone might be in, whether they think they're OSR or whatever. And yeah, to be honest, I do get annoyed when people sort of do these like rage quitty statements because I'm like, there's no need to like make a big hoo ha about it. You know, if you don't want to play a game, don't play a game. If you don't want to play a game, just don't be an idiot. Anyway, enjoy the episode, dude. Keep up the good work. I'll catch you soon. Yeah, I was kind of embarrassed at CabinCon when I rage quit on Joe's game. I was like, I don't want to play this guy again. So I announced it on Facebook. Oh, wait a minute. No, he's here. I guess I didn't do that. Yeah, thanks, John. That's true. That's eh, poop. Right. Um, actually, I should have played this one first. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Patrick. Uh, no nut punches for you guys. Cabin Con is all about love. Uh, I'm just giving what I'm getting. <laughs> but by the way, uh, TLDR means too long, didn't read. Later, guys. See you at Cabin Con. Oh, okay. I, I paraphrased. That I think you were good enough. I think you're completely wrong, actually. Uh, of course you would. <laughs> I mean, of I mean, I mean, Joe. If if we lived in a universe where you could be wrong, you would have been wrong. Ah. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, then. Next up is Jason. Hey, guys. Hope Kevin Conway great. TLDR, too long, didn't read. So it's cliff notes for somebody who skipped your wall of text. Um, you see a lot on Internet forums. They probably use it on the Facebook or the Twitter or the MySpace. I don't do those things, so I don't know. As far as balance goes, yeah, I'm not a big proponent of balance. I mean, there has to be somewhat of a balance, right? You, you know, if one player is massively more powerful, one PC is massively powerful than the rest, and he just always runs away with everything, then that can be a problem. But that's as much a player problem as a DM problem. But for the most part, it's more group dynamics and, and your DMing style than I think mechanical is what's important. I think mechanical balance is more important for a less experienced DM. But anyhow, let me list the rest of the show. We, of course, agree with that. Yep, 100%. And it looks like you were right. I hate to admit that. TLDR. He clarified even more. So you did basically say that. Basically. Without saying too long, didn't read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, negative material plane question for me at the very end what is it dude can't leave us hanging that's effed up also where are my cabin con videos dang nabbit it's here sunday morning getting ready to play umerica dungeon crawl classic space post-apocalyptic game my buddy carl rodriguez 
and and, and um, Gabriel, and I don't have any videos to watch to psych me up from Cabin Con. What the heck? Question for Jason: Did we get? Did I get? Did I trail off and lose? Did I do an old man thing? I have a question for Jason. Uh, and now for the news. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not. I sure don't remember talking about. Yeah, uh, uh, Jason, add some more context. I mean, I did listen to the episode yesterday. Um, I don't remember saying that. Maybe I missed something. I probably do have a question for Jason. He is Jason is one of the many now resources I go to for ultimate knowledge. Yes. Okay, back to the contents of this negative material plane. So we're going to dice are screaming, Spencer or free thrall over it. Um, keep off the borderland. And he even leering from updates in the middle of nowhere. So I know all these people. In fact, I've met some of them. And, and I have no problems with any of them. I understand where you're coming from. And, and Liren definitely has her opinions. They're based. So she has encountered in real life, and I'm not saying that's the standard in the OSR, but she has been at cons, mind you, there are kind of indie game based cons, but she has been at cons where she's seen, where she says she has seen, and I have no reason to doubt her, she's seen, you know, people that were running a quote unquote OSR game, you know, actively discriminate or be mean to other people that because of whatever reason i'd have to go back and re-listen to get the specifics um yeah so what yeah i mean i mean that, that doesn't really mean anything for the broader people it just means she ran into some dickheads right. and uh unfortunately seems like i don't know i don't know all of her comments so maybe she doesn't uh take that and then apply it to the broader movement and say, this is what the whole thing is. Hopefully not because that would be stupid. Yeah. And I've heard her speak before and comment and she's, she seems plenty intelligent. I'm not knocking that at all. And she's made some very good comments on other, on other um, podcasts. I just, you know, it's the whole cis white male thing. That stuff's got to go. And there's, I, I just don't, I ain't buying it. I don't care what they say. I mean, look, there's bad actors everywhere. There's problems everywhere. And I, I mean, she may have not. I mean, look, I'm just going to use logic. She may not. So, so let's suppose Larian's had or any 20 women have had 10 different situations and 10 gay men have 20 different situations where things have happened and there was a problem. There's 290 million people in the U.S. not counting the rest of the world. I got news for you. Mathematically speaking, statistically speaking, that's insignificant. That's not even a. That doesn't make that doesn't make her experience less. It just means don't make broad stre- sweeping generalizations. A single person can have many many examples in their life where things were bad. It doesn't make a proof. I tell my students a thousand examples is not a proof. It's right. not because right. as soon as you get one counter, it throws things off. But now we could do enough and maybe maybe find out there is this problem with white males and the gaming. It could be, but no one's done any kind of study because it would be nearly impossible. And it's not even uh, it's not data that you can collect and uh, collate easily. It's descriptive data. And you're already in dangerous territory because you're dealing with statistics. You start talking about descriptive data. You're in trouble. It just doesn't. It's not terribly convincing but uh, yeah i don't want to poop on her and jason's friend she's probably a perfectly fine lady and from what i've heard her talk over all the things she said she'd be welcome at my table i'm just saying i hate the phrase right yeah don't discount based on skin tone correct that's not a 
That's not a basis of make of uh, whether I mean, or it, not your argument is correct or worth listening to. It'd literally be like, you know what? If you're a non-Christian, you got nothing to say about the Bible. Right. You got nothing to say about. No, yes, you do. You guys write opinions, what everybody else you want to mm-hmm. say anything about it. Yeah. But and and I'm not invalidating her experience. I'm not saying she didn't see that. I don't think that's the norm with the OSR. But because of that negative experience, of course, we got we all get jaded by our experiences. She is relatively new to RPGs. She plays with her husband, Jeff, who has a podcast, Tomb of All Dooms, Tome of All Dooms, like the book. Um, but for the most part. You know, she's been experienced with, like, Power by the Apocalypse games and things like that. She's you know, hasn't really played OSR games or any of that stuff and ha- doesn't have a ton of it, contacts with that community. So, you know, she's going to be shaped by her experiences, and that's understandable. Um, I- I'm not saying I 100% agree with everything she says by any means, but I, I will say that she's coming to it from an honest place and, and trying to... Although she does come across a little preaching every now and then, I would say this to her face. We've talked. But that said, you know, she's speaking to what she has experienced. And, you know, I'm not going to validate anybody's experience. And and I play games with her, and I, and I would sit down and play future games with her without a doubt. No questions about it. Spencer is generally a good person. <laughs> it's messed up, isn't it? Spencer seems like a really good guy. He's... He's got, um, how do I say this? Spencer's a really good guy. I like Spencer. I'm not going to say anything bad against Spencer, and, and I'll defend it. He's also somebody who was, he had a big break in role-playing. He came back to the community, and, and he's speaking to his experiences. And he doesn't want to alienate any listeners or anything, and I get that. Um, but but all in all, you know, Spencer's good people. Um, and, and yeah, he's, he's trying to grasp this from, you know, from what, and sometimes Spencer, and he'll even admit on his podcast, you know, sometimes he'll talk about things without, you know, fully. Researching and knowing everything about it. So sometimes he will, you know, do some research and go back or this or that. Um, and I guess he went and listened to some interview with with Finger. I don't know. I, I'll i be honest with you. I've never listened to RPG Pundit or, or Venger's podcasts or seen anything by them well i've seen adventure i've seen modules and adventures and games written by both of them um but i've never listened to their personal views so i i don't know anything about them personally so i, I can't comment on that um Wenger, something about him turns me off a little bit but that's just a very subjective thing because like i say i haven't listened to his you know commentary so i, I really don't know um, Spencer apparently did listen to an interview with him. He talks about it on that podcast. Maybe if you guys listen to that interview, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll make more sense to you than. But I'm not going to spend my time doing that. Yeah, um, I did listen to. Well, I think it's the one Roland Bowes with Ryan Howard. I listened to that one. I've done some reading this morning on Venger, and that's fine. That's neither here nor there. Uh, we'll talk about that in our negative plane today a little bit. It won't be that negative. We're putting a couple things in. Today's going to be pretty mild as far as I don't think it's negative. But, dude, I am not crapping on your friends. Uh, Spencer and Lorian sound fine. Um, Spencer is really, honestly, I just couldn't believe he backpedaled a little. He didn't need to backpedal. He never said anything harsh. I think there's just this 
pressure people put on others to say like if you, these days anyway if you say something slightly um challenging to their worldview you're hurting people's feelings come on people you know get over yourself like i said before i think in the last podcast someone says i think christianity is bunk and you, you worship this big spaghetti monster in the sky and i'd be like you know you're welcome to be wrong let's just sit down and roll dice <laughs> i mean seriously right. it's okay you ain't got to agree with me. We'll find out in the end who's right. So, you know, maybe I will be wrong. Maybe there's nothing after that. I don't think so. I don't believe it at all, actually. But, I mean, hey, I guess there's a chance. I don't think it's probable, but I guess it's within the realm of possibility. Yeah, and if there is nothing, then we won't know because it, we will just stop. <laughs> right. There won't be any knowing. Oh, good point. We either won't know or I'll be right. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> As far as the dice of screaming, I, I think generally they're good guys. And, and you know, they're still supporting OSR stuff. They just don't want to be associated with the term, which I don't know. I mean, I've kind of dropped the term OSR myself just because it's so nebulous. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Because you won't, if you guys are in Discord at all, find a link and go to the OSR Discord. And you will see, st like, indie games, and I'm not being derisive of indie games, but you'll see games that are nothing like what the OSR is, being called OSR. So I, I just think the term has no meaning, to be honest. Um, my definition of OSR is the same as 10 cars, but most, but a lot of people don't follow that definition of it. So I think the term's meaningless, which is why I don't use it. I don't fully agree with the dice are screaming is reason why they're dissociating with the term, but they're still talking about those games and still play those games. And, you know, whatever. I, I got nothing against the dice are screaming guys. I, it's a, it's a little bit of a head scratcher and, and they explain why they don't want to name names in specific instances. Cause one, one is willing to do that and the other doesn't really want to do that. So whatever. I, I'm st I still listen to their podcasts. I, I, I like those guys. You know, they're... But... I, I don't disagree with you. It's a little bit weak sauce. I, I still don't think they fully justified why they're they're saying OVAR to the OSR. Um, especially when they support the material and the communities for the most part, right? Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with Facebook and Twitter. And I don't do Facebook and Twitter at all. So I'm not exposed to anything on Facebook and Twitter because I... I think those are a waste of time and, and because I'm not going to get sucked into that. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, why I don't comprehend a lot of this. You know, I knew a dog and his name was bingo. Facebook and Twitter are the worst place to get any kind of opinion about someone else because they're basically on there. And I don't do Twitter at all. And Facebook people make comments just to stir crap up. I have a friend um, who, he, he's actually told me Facebook's not real. He just says the craziest crap just to start something. And he Facebook's just thinks it's not real. Yeah, that's what he says is not real. And he and he's in some respect, he's right. Right. And it's, right. It's a garbage virtual, you know, board of let's make fun of stuff. But I do stay on there. I think Joe is practically done with Facebook. He makes a comment about twice a week. And um uh, yeah, those guys at Dice are Screaming, Mike and Randy, they sound cool. They actually sound like pretty cool guys. I, I'll probably continue listening to some of their podcasts. They don't make me mad. I just don't know why they rage quit it over that. And especially if they're not going to name any names at all or just say 
these people in this incident specifically, I, I guess to be fair, they mentioned the OSR logo guy uh, who I found out, I think it was Canadian or something, which is fine. Something about the guy with the, you know, the light blue and white OSR logo guy. And then Venger and I think RBG Pundit. Maybe I don't think they even said that. I mean, just say it. Those guys are getting blasted anyway, but I don't know. Say it was big as geekers. Those guys are big as geekers. They're not even OSR guys, and they make me mad because they're gatekeeping something they're not a part of. <laughs> it's, oh. um, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. It's um, People are not concerned with logical consistency or no. being able to... Um, OSR isn't a tangible thing. It's a concept that people like to identify with, but it's just a concept. And mm -hmm. the concept doesn't have anything to do with no-no uh, -no words that <laughs> uh, folks get upset about. Oh, he mm -hmm. said things that upset me and now they, the idea is it, it's equated with harm so folks don't want to be associated with folks that are harming in some words. nebulous way harming with words people. without actually directly saying mean things directly to them right even uh, and if they do okay i get it someone calls you a douche douche nozzle using much worse language than that on twitter or facebook i get it hey don't call me names you're a butthole and you move on right yeah yeah um and but uh, other than that look those guys at dice are screaming i'm fine with it they, they play whatever they want and they do sound like old school guys they got they got mad love for the old school games so just saying we're out of the community, that's fine. It just felt a little whiny to us is all. Honestly, it's not much of a community. No, it's not. Cause I'm it, not, not, not disparaging any individuals. It's just there are so many different attitudes about what OSR is and means that if you, a community is, is uh, a group of people. Uh, like-minded. Like-minded and have, uh, oh, I can't, the words are escaping me precisely. Sure. But, Once again, we're, we're recording early in the morning, so yeah. it's going to be harder. Yeah. So, yeah, um, they have um, a lot of similarities. There are, uh, I guess, there's a lot of similarities between all the folks who say they're on the OSR, but there's a lot of differences too. There's a lot of well, factions and. Well, there's OSR uh, people that do very uh, modern indie style narrativist games. They say they're OSR too, and I think, uh, like Eric Tinkar, when he refer he likes to refer to the community. He says he likes the community, but I think he's talking about his own subset of community, and he gives back to that. And so it's fine if you feel connected to, a, you know, 30, 40, 900 folks. That's fine. 5,000 folks. You can call yourself a community. Don't hurt my feelings, none. But OSR, people have glommed onto that, and I agree with Jason. Sometimes I'm not sure it means much at all. Right. Like many words these days. Yeah, they love that, but it needs to, but that's cool. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I'm just saying, while our views may not totally mesh, I I don't have anything against Liren or Spencer or, you know, those screaming guys, and I um, just wanted to throw that out there. That, they're you know, they're not all bad people. They have some different experiences than us, and maybe... Maybe they're valid. Maybe they're well. I mean, they're valid for them. Maybe they picked the right conclusions from those. Maybe they haven't. But you know, I don't have to agree with you to to be your friend, right? So it's what it is. So let's talk about some other things you've talked about, though, because I think there are a couple other comments I want to talk about here. The idea of 
some people's comments not being welcome, like cis male comments not being cis white male. Com- I, I, anyway, I, I don't even want to get into that labeling, but the idea that some people's comments aren't welcome in conversations, well, that's, you know, crap. Um, that said, at times there are discussions where people shouldn't butt in, right? So if if we're having a discussion about the Bible and somebody that's not a Christian wants to bump in and start talking smack, then, you know, maybe they need to butt out because it's a, you, you know, not, you know, it's A, B conversation, see your way out, right? So I get the idea that sometimes you have conversations that not everybody is necessarily welcome in at certain points. But when we're talking generalized comments like experiences with communities, I think, and, and one thing, it's so somebody opens up something and say, I'm going to talk about the the black experience and trying to get in the OSR. Then if a bunch of white guys hop in there and say, oh, well, we never had any problems. Well, yeah, that's kind of out of left field. But especially if, if you have a bunch of other commenters in there that meet that demographic talking about their experiences. But that's not the case here. This was just experiences of the OSR. This wasn't a certain minority or a certain group. I, I don't even like the term minority there. But, you know, a certain group's experiences with the OSR. We're not talking about, you, you, you know, transgender Hindus' experiences with the OSR. We're talking a specific group, and, and they're, that's who we're looking for input from. That wasn't the case here. So to invalidate, you know, anybody's opinions, silly. Now, like... So, hopefully some of that made sense. I don't know. I'm rambling a little bit. Day drinking. What can I say? The other comment I want to talk about are the art styles and things like that. So, I'm going to pause here. Yeah. Um, If you want to tell people to take a hike because you're having a conversation you don't want them in, that's fine. Yep. Um, But it's the... The, the and I'll use her word ironic when she she was talking about cis white males if you're dis you're um, dismissing people based on skin tone sexual orientation gender um, they call that something <laughs> and you know folks on the opposite side of the spectrum that I don't do that. You know, I don't just nope, look at somebody do, and say, you, you can't talk because of your physical right. characteristics. Yep. And, uh, the other side says you shouldn't, but they often do when you're part of the group, the aforementioned group, you're often discluded from conversations because your opinion is, is not wanted and is lesser. So, that's where we're coming from. If, well, if, you the, to, if you want to say, hey, we're having a conversation here and see your way out, that's fine. You can do that yeah. for whatever reason you want. But if you're doing it for that reason, it's very ironic when the original discussion, well, in this case, really doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, uh, she just I agree. came out of left field and said, what are you guys cis talking white. about? You're cis yeah. white males. You shut up. I, I would say that's a little harsh, but that was exactly what it felt like. Um, I will say this. A um, couple comments with the black group of people talking about their black, the black person, black folks having discussion about their experience in the OSR. I don't think I'm not sure if Jason's talking about they're discussing this at a table 
in a building and I just pop my white butt right in there and say, I haven't had any problems with that. What's your problem? I agree. That's stupid on two levels. I'm not really sure the conversation is I'm butting in, which is wrong. But if I'm at, if I'm hanging out with some dudes and they're all black, but me and Joe, or, or maybe I'm just the only one there and they're all whatever women. And they're talking about women's issues in the OSR. If I'm part of the group, I have a right to say something and I'm going to, it doesn't mean I have to butt in. I'll listen to what they have to say and I'll try to be reasonable about it. Just like with the Bible discussion of me and a few of my friends, we're discussing, you know, Moses's journey, initial journey into Egypt after he left his father uh, and married uh, his wife. And we're talking some sort of biblical thing. And some dude comes by and goes, what are you guys talking about? I said, oh, we're having a Bible discussion. Oh, the Bible is this. The Bible is that. Dude, I would have him sit his happy butt down and say, tell me what you think about it. Lay it out. You got hate for it? Because I'll be honest with you. Our command as Christians is to go out and spread the gospel. And that'll be, an, to me, that's an opportunity for me to talk to that guy and find out why he's so dang, dang mad and upset at the Bible or Christ or God or Christians or whatever. And maybe I can start to you know, alleviate that or best. Maybe I can lead him to Christ. So I can't lead him. God has called him, but maybe I can, I can play a small role in that, you know? And, um, and, and I said, he may just say, no, you're stupid. And, and now if he's being combative and won't listen, won't, you know, he'll talk, but he won't listen. Then, you know, I got to kind of say, look, dude, you know, this is not really clearly you don't care. And that's okay. Registered. Your comment is registered. I, I, I hear you, brother, but um, we're going to go back to our conversation now. But if we have an, an unbeliever, an atheist amongst us, and we're discussing that, I'm cool with that. That's exactly what I want, honestly. Right, right. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because you're right. We get the idealized or sexualized versions of men and women in a lot of this art, both old and new. You know, it still shows up in new books. And as long as you understand what you're getting, I don't necessarily have an issue with that. And I don't necessarily want to talk about what art should be in books and shouldn't be in books. What I want to mention, what what this has me going off on a tangent on is, it's funny. So I'm a horror buff. I like horror movies. I I don't necessarily... I don't remember. I'd have to go back and listen to your old podcast. I don't remember how deep you guys are to horror. I'm, I, I'd, I'd be amazed if you're into horror and exploitation movies like I am. But one thing I like about older horror movies is the fact that the people in the movies, because they're low-budget movies, they tend to get average people to play these roles. You know, you don't get the beautiful people in there. So, And that's the difference when you look at the original Friday the 13th, or not, well, Friday the 13th too. But you look at the original movies like Halloween or Friday the 13th, and then you look at, oh, especially Halloween. And then you look at Halloween 2.0 where we've got all the beautiful people in there, right? Or you, you look at um, My Bloody Valentine, the original and the remake, and you look at what the actors look like. Well, Jason, I'll surprise you. I actually love horror films. Uh, the old ones, I don't know, like, you know, the Hammer films. I've seen some of those. And I do like horror films much more than Joe. Joe finds them boring, find them boring and tedious. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a fair assessment. And I don't necessarily want to talk about what art should be. In and these older movies whether they be B-movies, exploitation movies, low-budget movies, you have actors you can relate to. You have actors that look like the average person. And I much prefer that to having everybody look like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Idris Elba and you, you, you know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you, you've got some beautiful 
well-looking people, you know, good-looking people, handsome, gorgeous people out there. But if I'm watching a horror movie, I want to see people I relate to. So in the older movies, give me that. So I know that's not all what you're talking about, but it's funny because I actually prefer. So the art I like is the first edition D&D art, like the funny little art things in there. So you look in the first edition DMG and Monsters Man, you got like the thing where the fighters like jumped up in the magic user's arms because the rust monster's threatening him. So that kind of cartoony but average person art is my jam. I get that. It's uh, very iconic. Instead of I like it too. nowadays, um, the art, some of it's decent, but uh, it's all of a piece. It's all of a type. It's not very, there's not a whole lot of distinctions between between them. In the right. old days, you had Elmore and a few of the other ones where you could like, I know who that is. By yeah, you could tell yeah, him and per- Parkinson and all the other, the, when they call him the four horsemen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyhow, so hmm. let me see. I may have skipped one. Hold on. And these older movies, whether they be B movies, exploitation movies, low budget movies, you have actors you can relate to. You have actors that look like the average person, and I much prefer that. I think I think we want listen to that part. Yeah. You know, I'm a heterosexual, straight, white male. I, I like seeing good looking women with you know without doubt, but honestly. I kind of like the cartoony, silly art in the books. <laughs> you, you know, g- give me Gru the Wanderer. Give me, you, you know, these silly cartoons any day over, you know, some of this other stuff. And I'm not saying Frank Franzetta's stuff isn't great because it is. And, and, and I'm not going to throw that in the incinerator either. But to me personally, you know, se- sexy women in art isn't a draw in books by any means. Um and and it's funny, like I say, in horror movies and movies, I much prefer actors that look like real people as opposed to the ones that look like fashion models. But that's just me. Anyhow, enjoy your show. Hope Cabin Con went great. And I'll talk to you next time when maybe I'll be sober. <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with J- Jason. I like the funny stuff better. I don't mind a cool splash page with a elmore or frazetta or you know any one of the big guns doing it from back in the day or even new artists that do a really good job i love tony dieter Leipzig's art in planescape that was a very evocative and just kind of wild and crazy but um yeah as far as pretty people in movies i can take it lever i'm not sure i even think about it unless i'm like wow she's beautiful you know what i'm saying or that dude six eight you know some big masculine dude and i'd be impressed by him but if you have average looking people it's not like i go and I might say, dude, he's ugly. He could be me. Right. <laughs> and, and, I don't, and it depends on context. If you're like, yeah. um, if the if the movie's trying to say that this person they're referring to is like the fairest beauty in the land, and you're like, dude, she's got nothing. Yeah, exactly. At, yeah. Then nothing. then you kind of then then you kind of like, what are you doing? But otherwise, most- if it's just a story, who cares how? attractive they are but i do get what jason's saying about he feels relatable in a horror movie it is kind of cool i mean if you saw a bunch of dudes out on cabins playing games and jason shows up and then i'm look like ben affleck or let's do a lot better than ben affleck so let's say uh he's a little old now matthew mcconaughey who's the heartthrob i don't know who knows who knows whatever so if they all look like him or you know a young you know some young super stud dude it'd be kind of like, okay, I, it might cross my mind, probably not, but they look kind of like 
goobers and dweebs and they're regular people, yeah, I could be like, oh, shoot, these guys, this is Cabin Con, Jason, part 12, 15, Cabin Con edition, <laughs> dude. Put those dice down and get in your cars now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have one alibi fire for um, your show. As far as rating Planescape, I can't rate it. So I'll... I, because I didn't play second edition back in the day. I played back me in first edition and I'd moved on away from D and D by the time second edition happened, I was off in the army and just never got into it. So in the last year I have played two sessions of second edition. One was vanilla second edition where we played 10th level characters. Barry ran that a lot of fun. And then my buddy Carl Rodriguez ran a game of Alcadim for us. It was actually his birthday game. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. I would definitely play an Al-Kadim again. That was a really neat world, really neat classes. Really enjoyed that. But I'm not big into the political machination part, so Planescape, from what you described, doesn't really appeal to me. Spelljammer appeals to me a lot more from the little bit I've read of it. I like Spelljammer from a conceptual idea. Uh some of the things in it, the flow just in and crystal spheres, I thought were kind of weird. Uh, but uh, world traveling, living ships, uh, uh, those um, were they hippo men? Yeah, they call gifts. The gifts, right? Yep. The gifts, and then having uh, beholders and stuff of that nature running around. All that's fine, but some of it was just kind of odd. Like the crystal sphere phlogiston thing. I yeah. I didn't really care for that. Well, um, I'm going to be stopping payment on that $1.50 check that I sent Jason months ago. Because I'm sorry, if you don't love Planescape, that's unacceptable. Your assignment for next week is to go buy every single Planescape thing. And don't buy any drive-through reprint crap. I want you to buy all the original stuff, which should cost cost you no more than I don't know, maybe three thousand dollars, and uh, get that purchase, Jason, and read every bit of it, and then tell me how much you love it. <laughs> so it's kidding. not enough to be passively no um, neutral about um, about Planescape. You Correct. Must fully support and love Planescape. <laughs> you must. <laughs> no, it's cool, dude. I don't. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, all right so that's it for call-ins like yeah. to thank everybody who called in absolutely and, uh, took taylor, some time out john, to say hi patrick yeah john jason, jason? patrick and yeah. taylor yes yeah, thank you cool. all yeah now into the positive material plane how huh? are we going to transition positive material plane we actually have po- uh, podcast reviews out there on the interwebs oh yeah uh, <laughs> two it's extremely difficult to find them Yes, unless you have iTunes, which I do. Well, and a lot of the other apps don't provide any mechanism to review. Oh, they don't. Well, like, uh, like I don't know. I didn't see one on Stitcher, and I. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little more uh, purposeful and go review some of the podcasts we like. I want to give our guys thumbs up, or if you know, I won't write a negative review. I don't see the point in that, but uh, it's fine if you want to. In fact, I feel like we have two fantastic reviews. Yes. So the first one is a five-star review. Yeah. Highly recommended. Excellent, funny, and entertaining. Thank you to whoever happens to be Christmas B-Red. Right on, brother. We loved it. Thank yes. you so much. And uh, this one might be as, as, as just 
overflowing with the compliments as well. Yes. Uh, it is a one-star review, so it might be uh, hard to find the good in it, but uh, <laughs> mouth breathers, their views are pretty rancid. Shame as they have some good things to say about games, but they just can't get past the whinging bitterness about their hobby being stolen. Thank you to Germania, uh, not Germania, Goodmania, 7,000. Dude, so rancid means, I looked this up just to make sure I had it, smelling or tasting unpleasant as a result of being old and stale. So let's say tasting. So he's tried us. He tasted our podcast and he said, ooh, that's old and stale. And whinging means complain persistently and in a peevish or irritating way. So I think we're doing our job. Well, that's what they say. If you don't have any haters, you're not trying hard enough. That's right. I hope Good Mania keeps listening and keeps blasting us. That'd be cool. I would like to say that uh, instead of rancid, mm-hmm. uh, I would say we are more like well-aged beef. Yes. Well-aged. Well-aged. Oh, over 100 years between us. So. There's a bit of a tang. Yep. Yeah. You may not want to. You may not want to serve it to all your friends. Well, but, you use it for certain things, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, well aged. Well aged. But, but yeah, thank thanks. You. Yeah, thank that's you, cool. Good mania. But um, you know what's weird? I looked at our average. We got a four average, which you know, I do math, Joe. Mm-hmm. Five plus one is six, and with two comments divided by six is three. So I'm thinking instead of a three, what what iTunes said was, you know what? It is biggest geekus, and they're just that dang good. So I think we get a plus one to our average. So then we, I think iTunes feels we deserve our average plus one, which is why we have a four average. Well, I, I can't disagree with them. No, I, I think they're right, actually. Yeah. And just another thing, if if uh, Good Mania 7000 listens again. Yes, he does. Probably uh, not. You might want to make sure that you ha- get your facts straight. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we ever said our hobby was stolen. We're just nope. critical of certain current, elements that are uh, in you know, in gaming and we mm-hmm. can still play. We had a whole cabin con full of playing. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And no, no one took it from us. No, no one came by and took our books so, or anything like no that. One stole our books That's not our from. point of view. Our point of view nope. is just, we criticize the weirdos. Yep. And that's okay. If you don't think we should, you're welcome to that opinion. Yes. You're wrong, but you're, you're, you're welcome wrong, to being wrong. But you're welcome. To, yeah. We've always said that you're welcome yeah, to be yeah, wrong. Yeah. No. Alrighty. So are we moving on? I think so. To the main topic. Main, main topic. topic. Extreme PCs. I got to ask you, this is your topic, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You come up with the topics uh-huh. most of the time. Yeah. So w- where did you come up with this topic? Is it- we ha- Okay, so we have a friend who shall remain nameless, Josh, and uh, <laughs> he has played in the past a few characters that are overly cautious. I mean, he's like super nervous. Now, to be fair to Josh, he learned under the master, me, as an older gamer, he was like, I want to say he was in his 20s. He had never truly sat down to play D&D until he played in my third edition game. And, you know, I may have killed a few dozen characters of his. And so he learned he got a little gunshot. So he builds characters that are uh, well defended as much as he can. And he's super careful. And uh, I thought, you know, there are also other players, and I've seen Joe do this, but not too often in his older age, that'll play the opposite. Super brave. Nothing phases me. You do realize you're a first-level fighter, right? And you have six hit points? No, that doesn't matter. I'm completely fearless. 
Okie dokie, you attack the ogre <laughs> without even thinking. Okay, sounds good. I am known to uh, say, what are you guys talking about? We're powerful adventurers. <laughs> right. We can, do this. we can do this. Let's go. So what I did is I thought we'd have a comparison. So we know, and I, I'm using some, you know, standard sort of terms, Fighty McFighter Man, uh, Mr. Wizard, Holy Heel Bot, and Sneaky Thief Dude. So these are the st- templates. So when you play these characters, they're exactly what you think they are. The fighter is the fighter guy. He fights stuff. He uses weapons and he kills things. Mr. Wizard knows things and he casts spells. He knows arcane things. Holy Holy Cleric Guy says really holy cool things, turns undeads and, heal, and heals the sick. Sneaky thief dude, well, yeah, he steals stuff, and he's sneaky, uh, finds traps. So there's that. And you play them pretty standard, bog standard. You're more, you're more playing the, the guy as the template of the character, so I'm going to fully just completely get into my role as that class, maybe human. If you're elf, you're going to be what, Joe, if you're elf? How do you role play an elf? One word. You love it. Starts with an A. Not sure uh, where you're going. Aloof. Aloof, aloof, aloof elf, aloof. Uh, a drunken dwarf, um, a hands in everybody's pocket. Yeah, Viking, Viking, dwarf, short Viking, short Viking with a Scottish accent, and um, or you play a thief who's a halfling who's super sneaky, and if you're a wizard, you know, you're Gandalf. So anyway. Um, and so I thought those are the comparison ones, and then some folks bring in the fault and say I would consider those. I don't want to call them normal, but just template, right? And you can go off the path. You can play a super brave wizard. You can play a thief who has learned on the mean streets of Greyhawk, and he's learned to fight, and so he's actually tougher than the average halfling, and he's not afraid to stick his little dagger in there and be a part of the mix-it-up, as it were. And so you can do all sorts of variants. But then I thought there's some that are extremes. They take they take this, and these are more not tied to the class and of course i'm using D classes but um tied to their role playing and the first is the cowardly one or overly cautious and so what i put here is i thought well kind of as an example the overly cautious i roll an iron ball bearing from 15 feet towards the door i am of course around the corner then if nothing happens, I step into the hallway and toss another ball bearing at the door and simultaneously diving behind the tower shield of my warrior companion, then, and this is all to tell if there's a trap on the door. So nine more nine more things before he finds out, before he gets to make a you know, detect traps roll or whatever that might be. And that's just one example of the overly cautious or cowardly PC. Um, and Your we've video seen, has locked up. Huh? Your video has, Oh, is okay. my video locked up? Nope. On your end? No, I'm not seeing any problem. Unless you are somehow capable of looking to the side, holding your mouth open while still talking. <laughs> like this? That's awesome. So I'm totally, I'm locked up fully? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, sta- yeah. I'm practically standing up now. Huh. Oh, there you go. Okay, I don't know what happened. Maybe I had to just shake it. I was fine. I couldn't see anything. Yeah. So anyway, that's just kind of a phrase, and we don't have to read them off if you don't want to. So what are your initial thoughts of the overly cautious guy, the wizard who plans everything to every detail, who's super careful just in case he gets hit by a dagger by a goblin? Right. The the overly cautious. Um, now, I would have to say that while at times I've seen other people be cautious, mm-hmm. um, it's generally because you're killing everybody left and right. 
Yeah, that's fair. Because sometimes the, D- the GM can cause it. I can be too. Oh, you turn the handle on the door. You didn't say you checked the door handle. You said you checked the lock. Okay, the door explodes. Shards of shards of wood pierce your body. Right, and caution in a you know a monster infested uh, subterranean lair Realm. is is pretty justified. Yes. Uh, but I do snicker. I did. I was listening to an actual play, a snippet of one, uh, not too long ago, and these dudes were just being super duper cautious. And I'm like, wow. If if I get bored, so yes. it may, it's probably <clears throat> it's probably my failing. But I'm like, let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. There's only so often you can and you can have a super detail like I did there, a gruesome, gruesomely painful approach to a door to where you're doing 900 checks and stuff. And, I, you know, I'm more than just roll your finder, move traps roll. I hate that. But I also don't want you to spend nine hours. It's got to be a happy medium. What or, about or you have mm-hmm. multiple people who could discover bad things. If yep. the first person go up to, goes up there and fails, well, I'll roll then. I'll do yes. this, then yeah. I'll do that. And mm-hmm. it just goes down the line. And you're like, how, That's you, a ver- how can you know that they failed? <laughs> Cas- cascading effect of uh, let's all do the skill check since the rogue failed. Or then that leads also to the cowardly one, the guy who will never open the door, the right. guy who will never open the treasure chest, the guy who will never jump in and fight the new monster because I don't know what he'll do. You know, and, and you see that sometimes. And I think as a as a GM, you can foster that, which I try not to. But I think I'm because I'm more of a gritty, I prefer to let the dice fall most of the time. Players, I probably I probably engender that more than most of the GMs that are in our group. Right. And it, being too cowardly, I guess you kind of going against the type of thing you are, which is an adventurer. That's what I say. Now, you could play that um, for a time that you've been caught up in circumstances and you are fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that one fellow uh, from Xena? He always wore like frying pans and stuff. Yeah, like that. he's armor. a little, yeah, a little weak fighter mm-hmm. dude. I forget his name. He was uh, a bit fearful, but at least he tried to conquer his fear and still stand up to people. So it's there's hard. a way to play it, which is yeah, good. Which is good, and it's hard to imagine being that. I guess you can say you could imagine a cowardly guy who's driven by greed. Because he wants to get all the sweet loot, but if it's not, if it's just money, then a cowardly guy once he hits 500 gold in your standard fantasy fantasy realm, he'd quit. Because that's that's a fortune, yeah. so he wouldn't need it. I mean, seriously, why would why would you keep risking your life if you're that afraid? So I think every adventurer has to have an element of bravery to them. I mean, at least our boldness. They got to be bold. You know, um, they're treasure seekers They're they're, you know, they're champions of, you know, of the of the week or they're or they're just guys out to get super powerful. Other way, you got to be a little bold to do that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think sometimes an overly cautious character can can slow the game. It slows the game down. It's a little unbelievable. But I get if you want to play that. My guy's a little cowardly. Um, I think the danger would come with the cowardice if he runs during a very climactic fight where because you know sometimes you come to that tipping point things are looking a little dicey and if all of a sudden your wizard's like i'm out teleport the group will be and, and how would you react to that as a party what if you survive i mean 
you almost got to say to the player, I guess you're playing a new character. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I can't see the group being okay with it. Right, right. Yeah. So. I guess you also have the lone wolf. <clears throat> yeah, lone wolf. So his idea is I work alone. You're going to have to be very convincing to get me to join your piddly little group. <laughs> I mean, I Felicia. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that dude, now this is a big problem because we talked about it a, little, a little bit before, but you got to, if you're going to lay down ultimatums to even be a part of the story, you might want to think of a new character. I, I think this concept practi- in practical terms has no place at the table. If you want to be generous, you might be able to give a little bit um, and I don't know, let them play and i'll play along a little bit if everybody agrees how about at the beginning my character is going to be a little reticent we all know him he's always been kind of a douche as far as like hard to get along but if you agree then it's going to be a little reticent and you can have that feel of being a lone wolf but the players all agree you're really coming along i'm like yeah i'm coming just play along with me and let me be a little bit a little bit of a douche stubborn's one thing stubborn right that's a different type of character for sure and yeah. you got you got the unique snowflake. I am a half dragon, half pixie, druid, assassin, monk, barbarian from a secret realm where all people who live there gain wizard spells as young children. Yeah. And oh, I can't say I've seen too much of this, but I have seen some of it. And it drives me up a wall. And usually it comes from, OK, we're going to play this game. And in this game, uh, there's only elves dwarves and humans there's no other race here comes somebody else i'm from another world i want to play a dragonborn <laughs> it's like ah, uh, okay and i i don't know uh, gosh i get the heroes can be the can be unique uh champions of the story you got a puppy coming to say hi Yes, Sparky came in and looked up at me like, what are you doing, boss? Yeah, coming in to hang out. So, yeah, these uh, this kind of character drives me a little nutty uh, kind of player who wants to play these guys that are always off the beaten path, always seems to be always against the whether you have a session zero or not, but the setting of that you're that you describe things that were going to be, you know like in our Savage Worlds game, Fantasy, which I hope to rekindle here soon, you know, you can't really play an elf. Elves have left. Mm -hmm. The elves have left the building. And uh, we didn't have anybody that was like, yeah, I really want to play an elf. Like, no, no. So I I think as a GM, I think dealing with those characters, hmm, uh, I think with a unique snowflake, you have to rein them in. Try to give them something. I mean, because they want to play a special dude. Give them a special purpose. Give them a unique background. Give them some cool, like, uh, uh, family situation that makes them special. Because maybe that's enough to make them feel like they belong. They don't need all those billion classes and billion different crazy races to feel like they can play the game. At least that's my opinion. I see why. People want to play all these this fairly unique things, but one unique thing in thirteenth age. Yeah, it's it's cosmetic, really. Yeah. Superficial. It's still a person. Yeah. Yeah. Now the next one, uh, my wife has had a little bit of that, uh, and it's not bad, but it it's dangerous for the GM. I think the Destiny's Child character. I am the key to the prophecy. Translation. 
I've got to live to this scene. <laughs> and if you make this a chosen one or the one that shall save the universe or whatever. Um, and it can be even cool. It's not a balanced thing. It's like, you know, maybe they have a huge drawback, but they're going to save the kingdom. Maybe their character is really not particularly powerful. Uh, oh, yeah. But as a yeah, DM. Yeah. But as a DM, you run into trouble, don't you? I mean, you do. Then you I mean, got to make that dude live <laughs> at right. the end of the campaign. <laughs> because we're playing a game, not uh, somehow being a novel, uh, and having the character that is—I mean, you—you're in a group uh, when you're in a role-playing game. No one person in that group is the star. If you are claiming to be the you know, child of destiny, you're kind of claiming to be the star. Yep. And as, and as a player, you could downplay that. I mean, to where you're like, look, I'm not trying to hog all the spotlight, but when these, when these things come up, I am the one they're talking about. And that helps a little, but not much. Uh, I do think, um, there are other games other than D and D and most games like, you know, real highly narrative or storytelling games where you might get away with this. Cause at least then you have narrative control over your character's life. I don't mm -hmm. think I would enjoy that, but like you said, it's more story time, but Hey, what, whatever, if that's what you like, you can do it. Those could probably work out a little bit better. Well, in the OSR conception of things, uh, or, well, how about we nix that? When you have, the typical DM led group mm -hmm. where the DM sets the tone, mm -hmm. gives you all the story or not really all the story, but all the background, mm -hmm. all the setup. And, 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 and I think in the proper way of doing things, the story emerges from play at the table. Right. Right. Um, if you want to play your character that way, that's fine. But uh, you're kind of, <clears throat> imposing on the DM a bit. Yes. Kind of forcing his hand to uh, accede to your wishes. Uh, or it's what one if you... thing to just everybody play together and you have some story that's emerging. And then if, if you're assertive or whatever, uh, that's one thing. But if you're, you're basically saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm part of this prophecy and, uh, that implies you may not see this as a player, but it implies that you have to, if you're part of this prophecy and it hasn't been fulfilled, if your character dies, then, you know, the DM can just say, well, I guess that prophecy was wrong. <laughs> right. So, well, now, or what if you're like, I'm prophesied to die uh, at this big battle. Mm -hmm. That's different too. I mean, and to be fair, my wife has come up with really cool ideas for a character and then I'm, I'll add on, ooh, what if you were a child of destiny? You know, in my mind, it's I don't say child of destiny. I'm like, what if this was bound to happen and your father was really secretly this thing and it's causing all this stuff? And that's cool for a story. But the next thing I know, I've, I have uh, uh, diminished the role of every other player at the table. And I have to make sure that I don't do that as a GM, which right. can be because the story sounds cool. It sounds cool as crap. Destiny's Child is a great story. You know, I am destined to become the one, the one who will save the kingdom. I mean, who wouldn't want to be that guy? Right. But, um, yeah. Now, so. And it's okay to say that, I guess. Um, right. And I know I sent you a link that you say you really didn't agree with, but oh, where the DM is basically just a, a neutral arbiter. Here's the rules. Here's yep. a little bit of a starting off point. Mm -hmm. And the players are the ones who, through play, come up with the story. And the DM is really just saying, 
okay, this works. That doesn't. They might play off a little bit. I'd have to have a, when I say disagree with it, I'd have to, that'd have to be an agreement. We'd mm-hmm. have to say, okay, and especially me, you know, we've talked about how I write 5,000 pages of notes for one first level adventure. And then uh, if, if the players are like, we'd really like to try this where we have more, more of a sandboxy and we have more control how things go and you just are the arbiter of things. And I'd be like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Now I would have to really, I guess in that situation, I would have to really prepare less and mm-hmm. just see what the players do and react. And that would be good for me. Honestly, a game like that would probably be very good for me, for me to have to learn to think on my toes and have maybe a page or four or five note cards of a scene or two. And that's it. It just depends on where you go. Otherwise I'm winging it, you know? So, yeah. or you might just have all these things that you have written down on note cards mm-hmm. and, and, uh, attached to rumors or whatever that because mm-hmm. you can't have a, a game where uh everything that happens is determined by the pcs you just that just would be weird yeah uh, it'd, be but they could, kind of, it'd be a different kind of game but you're but, talking about me like you come to hamlet i keep using hamlet as an example mm-hmm. your players decide what you're interested in i mean it's kind of a sandbox thing right mm-hmm, you're talking mm-hmm. about I yeah think i think it sounds more sandboxy than anything else. i think i could be more comfortable with that than like the player because you're not saying players determine the outcome well we want to get the sword of power so we get it and then oh we yeah go the like that. okay all right gotcha gotcha yeah i could do that all right how about the last one here uh the insane did you have something else to say about mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. okay nope. the insanely brave pc gm says an ancient horror arises from the holy fountain in the church you've attended since you were a child. Your long dead mother's face forms the end of one of its many tendrils, saying, your father calls you home. The insanely brave first level warrior responds, I draw my mighty sword, move forward, hack this foul beast in twain. Nothing phases me. I mean, I get, I know Joe can do that. I, might, but it, I wouldn't but say it, exactly that. but yeah. Right, but I'm, my point is, you might just like, oh, I tag it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Okay, it's kind of weird, but okay. Not that I expect you to have some great soliloquy and, you know, have a have a heart-wrenching cry fast for your character to fall to his knees and die or fall to his knees and beg his mother's forgiveness or whatever, do something dumb. But I think you should have a reaction other than just, mm-hmm. eh, I kill it. But this is what it comes from, um, I would I think, especially if, if you say something like that, you have the character saying there. Yeah. Uh, if you don't act you die quite possibly but i do understand it would probably make more sense for you to maybe say your character loses their first action and they're just looking at their mother's face very confused playing off like how it would work in maybe a movie or a book and right you're you're almost taken in but not quite so i'll lose my action and the gm is risky it's very risky but i also think the gm should be careful and not unduly punish that player for reacting what would be reasonable and you know you can add a mechanic to it make a will save mm-hmm. you know make this save and if you make it you can react however you want like if i fail the save obviously i would be like on my knees and saying, oh no what is this what has happened what's what's my life worth and then if i make the save i still would be like okay this is totally freaking me out i put my shield up look at my friends i'm like i'm gonna need some help through this right. and go forward with my sword yeah. You know, something like that. I'd try Instead to react. Of being a robot. Yeah, I kill it. Hack it. Death of doom. Have but enemy the, will slay. 
Yeah, but the, but the DM can also, but you know, the DM can also desensitize uh, players to where they're like, eh, it's just another demon. It's just another Eldritch Horror. It's just another Undead Lich. Who cares? Let's find it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's kill it. Mm. Just, just another, great, another Undead Just lich. another great, great dragon. You know, mm-hmm. so just Smaug. Who cares? Third Smaug this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my wife went to her appointment. Oh, so Sparky is restless. I see. He's can yeah, he come inter- in here, open the door, but he hasn't doesn't have any way of closing it. So <laughs> that's you, okay. Buddy. We can see out through Joe's hallway just a smidge. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's, that's kind of a short main topic because I wanted to give us room for the next one because we got a cabin lot of con cabin con moment. So that happened, dude. Cabin con fifteen is over. It was we very ideas. fun. Yeah. Scale of one to ten. How would you rate that bad boy? Nine or ten. Yeah, me too. I would say a good, good solid nine. I really, one of the better ones we've we've ever had. Um, so what it was, was in your... danger though, slightly. Oh yeah. Well, because of the uh, the higher numbers, yeah. there was a little bit of concern about uh, um, game, uh, you know, games for people to play, and uh, I, w- I think we dealt with that pretty well. I think Learned we did. Some things. There were some, yeah, and I think we're still we're always having that issue of the big house and then one of the cabins being so far apart. And some folks, I think we talked about, you got to learn to take initiative. And if nobody's running something, you need to run something. Pull mm-hmm. out a board game, play something. Um, and I know a lot of the guys look to me because I organized this original idea and I keep track of things and I tend to make sure we have a place to go to. And I think that's fair, but I think as grown dudes, we got to like um, start to make our own fun. And I think we have a solution for next year where we're just basically going to have every GM have a piece of paper or index cards, put them on a cork board and say, I'm running this, this, and this on these times. Come see me if you want to play. Yeah. And say, so um, if you want a game, you're going to have to do it. And I'm going to encourage any of our cabin con attendees who uh, actually listen to our podcast to call in and give us your opinion. Please do. We would love to hear from everybody, their thoughts on cabin con, uh, on anchor is anchor. They can, can they leave the message on anchor? Or they got to yeah. leave it yeah, yeah, on anchor the messages are left. And you're limited to one minute, but I think the folks would love to hear from you guys as to what your experience was. I mean, I played, uh, I played magic for a slot, learned how to play magic. Thanks to Greg and Larry. And uh, it was kind of cool. I mean, I had a good time. It was a nice break from GMing. Uh, I GMed uh, kind of like a madman. We generally have what we'd call three slots on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. We usually say we have one or two slots we never played, though we did this time. Randy held to his word. And I ran two slots Thursday. Did I run three slots Friday? I don't think so. Maybe I did. What there was a there was one time you took a slot off. Was that Friday or was that that Saturday? was Thursday for sure because we had an issue with one of the guys got got ill. He got a little concerned with things. It turned out fine, but uh, Thursday I missed the middle slot. Ended up just sitting around jabbering. Friday I want to say I ran. I want to say I ran every single. I played. I played the afternoon slot. I think that was magic, and then Saturday. I ran OD&D. You ran three slots on Saturday. I think I did. And you ran the late slot. Yeah, I ran Aliens. Finally ran that Aliens RPG. And then I ran Sunday at about 
10:30, another OD and D game. So it was yeah, great I was, because I didn't have to run anything. <laughs> That's cool. I, I was, I like to run, dude. It's, it's my prefer. You know, I'm a 90, I'm a 95% DM or maybe 90% right. now. But. I had, I tried to get some stuff ready. My, I had some computer issues that kept me from printing things out and it didn't, it just didn't work out. I got to play. Oh, I got to play in Dave's game. I did get to play. I remember mm-hmm. Saturday. I got to play. He DM like a madman too. He did too. He ran several games. John ran several games. Uh, said Larry and Greg did the magic thing. We had folks step up. Mm-hmm. It could have been. Uh, we could have had more options. It would have been nice, but it was still really pretty. I don't good. think we could have had that many more because it would have been more games than people could play. Maybe. Maybe. Just slightly. I mean. We had a lot of folks that didn't play though took took slots off, and that's their choice. I mean, it's right. it's a vacation. Right. You do what you want. Um, definitely got the oh, I got the bug for old D and D. I ran uh, Swords and Wizardry white box more or less. Uh, we ran a short session. I was very pleased, surprisingly, with the group initiative. I even liked the spells range. I may have screwed it up, and then melee. I love the openness. What do you think of the phases of combat? Yeah, the phases were kind of cool. And again, I don't know if it's just feeling the love of, you know, nostalgia still, but I absolutely had a great time. What did you think of that elf character? I thought he was kind of interesting. Yeah, he was pretty, um, pretty powerful. Yeah, he he was a level behind the others. Yeah. And that was kind of fun. I don't think I don't think anyone died, which was shocking. But um, um, the elf was pretty close. Oh, I had several in the in the earlier session. I had several folks cutting close. We had a good time. Um, it was a good uh, and I ran it in Hamlet. I'm sure everyone's surprised at that. <laughs> and I ran the moat house with a little variation, a little time travel twist. So I was very pleased with that game. Um, my supers game. I think that was my favorite one. Yeah, you played in yeah. it. Uh, Eric C. Jeremy. And um, Josh all played in that one, and I kept and I, I don't I wasn't I'm not trying to brag, but dang it I think it's more Savage Worlds than me. It really ran like a comic book. Yeah. I was terribly pleased with that. It was very fun. To, yeah, you got to play a Nightwing type character and look totally ba being martial artist, and so it and, was uh, uh, fun. So, like I was saying at CabinCon, I think the whole thing was that. <clears throat> the adventure as it was set up was really geared toward that character's abilities. Yeah. Well, the others had places too. I feel like the speedster Jeremy's character didn't have much to do, uh, but maybe it was just the way he decided to stay back. Cause we had plenty of hitters. You had the punisher type guy from range. Joshua was, Josh was playing the big brick who could just wait in there and pound people though. He seemed like he was more fond of the suplex than pounding people. <laughs> I <laughs> didn't was, get that, but that, that was, was it went down. Yeah, it worked, I know it worked out fine. You were jumping in the middle of them, ninja kicking, flipping and doing crazy stuff and dropping people and stunning them. And uh, I thought you guys played really well. You got into character. It was four color, a little bit grittier than four color, but I think it was more four color than anything else. So yeah, it seemed like and that, it. And that wasn't fully my intention, but I was happy that it played out that way. Um, and I thought the big boss was at least you had enough sense to realize that was possibly dangerous. So you guys focused firepower on him and that was good because if he'd gotten free, he'd have been trouble even for you. Um, well, you uh, had background, you had enough background notes for all the characters that if you didn't pay attention to that, you might not have 
done that, the things we did. It was just yeah. strategy. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was um, it was just strategy. Yeah, well he played. We concentrated fire, and he went yeah. down. If we well, had, dude, and here's the T-shirt with the with the superhero theme. My yeah. buddy Patrick drew this thing, mm-hmm. and was just phenomenal. We call him the uh, producer of Biggest Geek is at Cabin Con. Yeah. He did the T-shirts. He did the videos and the pictures. Some of those will be up on YouTube hopefully soon. Uh, yeah, we'll I'm going to be posting all of that, all the video on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. The pictures will be a, um, uh, a slideshow that I'll make into a video on YouTube. But all That'll of it be- will also be on the website. That'll be so cool. Joe's working hard there. Patrick, we, we appreciate him and all the work he did for that. And he got to play some. He said it was one of his best cabin cons. It'd be great to hear from the guys um, post cabin con what they thought. How about you? I mean, what, you got any highlights? Oh, I got one more highlight too. Go ahead. You tell you me. Go ahead. Okay. Another highlight for me. The last one was the aliens game. Now I broke my rules. I don't start games after nine. We started this one at ten thirty. And or 10 o'clock and we played till two in the morning which was tough for me mm-hmm. you guys were pretty understanding it got going we had a heck of a time and i really thought you guys would get murdered you guys managed to avoid the drones and the scouts that's the major the standard bog alien creature from the movies you didn't get into a fight with them which we did once but you ended up getting away and i didn't roll very well i had a poor rolling night you guys rolled pretty well i almost face hugged you but i didn't manage to do it um, I thought we had a nice little turncoat move by Josh's dude, taking the role of Burke from Aliens, kind of not really Burke, but something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I really was surprised how you guys escaped. Poor Patrick, his character got face hugged just as you were getting on the shuttle to leave LB four two six, and uh, mm-hmm. took him straight down. It's like because you know those monsters. You see what I mean, though. If I roll the right number, it's like it's over. Right, right. And there's no other roll. Well, there's nothing else you get to do. It's done. Well. The face huggers were bad enough. Yes. I knew that if we went toe to toe with the, oh. there was no way we anyone would survive. You that. killed a few face huggers, but you had you did not have enough firepower to take on one of those drones or scouts. They would. And the only them. way we could get it is if we was going if we were going to try to unlock a cabinet, <laughs> which there happened to be a drone in that in that command center yeah. who was Initiative hiding. Was already done. And yeah, and it was, it was like, like uh, there's a cabinet there. It looks like a weapons locker. <laughs> okay, we're going to run instead. Which and is based on did. their speed, most aliens have a speed of two. They get two full actions, uh, mm-hmm. two full fast and steady. <laughs> and then if they get a speed of three, you're, you're doomed. You get one of the really fast ones, you're screwed. He yeah. goes three times in a round. He might kill half the half the group before you do anything. But you guys survived. I mean, even yeah. with the pods I had placed in your in your space shuttle for escape, planning to get you guys, you guys got away. And then, of course, we had a traitor, which was hilarious. That's another traitor who screwed you guys at the end. But it was still pretty amazing. So all things said and done, only two came out fairly unscathed. Fairly unscathed. But no one found out the secret of LB-426, and thus the movie would play out as it did in the yeah. cinemas. So um, so that mo- that was a pre-made module. Yes, it right? was. It was right. fun. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about it is, is it didn't – it was overly derivative. So Fair enough. So in that, you had a Burke. Mm-hmm. You had uh, – Another company, yeah, two company guys, yeah. Two company guys. Yeah, the whole, I mean, you had everything from uh, the movies all kind of mishmashed into one module, and it wasn't terribly original. But it did well in um, introducing the game and getting you used to the system. 
And that's what it was. It's the adventure yeah. in the back of the book. Right. And I think we talked about the funniness of they have a system where you get stress dice as you do more and more things and encounter horrible things. And it gives you higher dice to roll, but it also gives you more chance to freak out and panic. And we had that cascade of panic rolls that we all laughed at. Joe's character screams. Everybody makes a panic roll. And then Tim's character screams. Everybody makes another panic roll. I mean, theoretically, you could be panicking. Everybody making panic rolls one after the other, after the other, after the other. But um, I think it did a pretty, other than that weird situation and the fact that the table of panic has some descriptions that are a little lame and not so exciting, I think it definitely is a, can be a game that emulates the stress of being a regular dude and the aliens being around. Oh, yeah. 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 So I guess for my part, uh, Cabin Con went really well. Got to play a lot. Um, and uh, some different games, like the Aliens game, mm-hmm. uh, the Superheroes game. Uh, I played a fifth edition game as well. Um, I didn't get it. Uh, I didn't get into the uh, the magic right. bit, but I'm, I'm going to try next time. And I think that was uh, great that we had a workshop. Right. So if we just uh, have some folks run a couple of uh, workshops next time, uh, that would make it more like a convention, but less uh, without the stuff I don't like about them. So, yeah, yeah, I think that would be I'm planning on running a dungeon or well, at least I'll, I don't have to be the main guy. I might grab you or some other people and others at DM a lot and run a dungeon mastery workshop because they had some guys that showed some interest that don't run a lot. Maybe they want a little guidance. Um, and I might gonna... do one on uh, introducing a game system. Oh, so, that would be good, yeah. Not, not just in a general sense, but in a specific one. Like, oh, right. we're going to do uh, Swords and Wizardry Light. Here's how you play it. Yeah, do something like yeah. that. Yeah. What else did you enjoy about Cabin Con? Anything uh, else? Well, we played, played a lot of 13th Age. I forget that. Dave, you played in Dave's game, you played in my games, a lot of 13th Age. Right. And I think some of my favorite things about it is we got to all to get together. We uh, we didn't worry about masks or vaccines or anything like that. We just nope. played face to face like normal, and we're good. Yeah, it was great. Didn't it have any good. issues. It felt like uh, the normal world instead of uh, the crazy world of Michigan that we're still in. Right, exactly. More fun than I think uh, one dude deserves. It was a good time. I think so- um, uh, something else. Uh, and I mentioned this at, at cabin con and we had the previous one. We only had 13. We didn't have any issues with games or gaming. We got up to 20 this time around and we started having that specter of, Oh, games. We don't know where we're going to play, who we're going to play with. Thing, mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So some people want or would like probably to have it highly organized and mm-hmm. some of us, like me, don't see the need because I think it's more work than it's worth. Uh, because I think we're all adults. We're all men, adult men. We should be able to, and we're all friends. We should be able to figure that out without right. needing too much organization. And, and I the, think we're the, going less organized next year. Yeah. So just having the index cards of this is what I'm running, I think that's all we need. I and too. then you look at those, or if you're a DM that no one signed up for your game, you 
run around and find people to play. We don't have to have hard set um, start stop Mm -hmm. times. uh, And, you know, talk. That's interesting. Yeah. People talk to, and that mostly is what happened this, this cabin con. So it'll Mm be, it'll only actually be a problem if we get bigger. Yeah. um, Honestly, if we get much bigger, I'm not saying we can't still do that style, but I think even at 20, that style is going to be tougher for a lot of folks. But in the end, you got to, you got to kind of grow a pair and you got to just go up and say, Hey, what is happening? And is your table full? And if you say you're full, can you handle one more? I think I'm going to plan for four in my game and have one more. Yeah. You know? just, and yeah. So yeah, I got room. Be okay for with one more. Yeah. And my OD and D game, I had five and I had planned for six. I had six characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I think in aliens, I had maybe six. Was it, Six people, one, two, three, four. Yeah, it was six people. So I had five planned and one extra. So it turned out okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think, I think a more relaxed approach would be better. And I think we got to keep the numbers. I think we got to keep close to twenty-ish, though. I just don't think there's much yeah. value going beyond that too right. much. Right. So, but overall, a plus. Thoroughly. We're, enjoyed we're there to have fun, not yeah. to like grind. We're not no. there to. Yeah. And all that organization, as much as I love the idea of it, is a lot of work. And, and I it's feel, stressful. I feel obligated. Yeah. Yep. I feel more obligated. Yeah. And we're there and to was, have fun. It was fantastic. Good times. Yeah, shared yeah. a dinner. Shared a dinner on Thursday, too. That was yeah, cool. That worked out really well. Yeah, it did. I ended up being able to plan because I usually bring way too much food, get way too full every day. I didn't. And then bring home too too much leftover. So this time I planned it really well and hard had hardly anything to bring back, and that dinner did helped because we ended up having leftovers too. Yep, and I was um, I kept my uh, diet, um, my sixteen hour fast for the most part. I had some more a little more wiggle room, a little more dinners, but really I kept it pretty dang good, and so I was pretty pleased with that as well. So yeah, it was uh, was fun. All right. So moving on to setting. Yeah. Dig this setting. We're going to talk about the Dragon Empire, and I meant oh, to do oh. a little reading on it. What? That's cool. Can I back up one more thing? I want to back do a up. shout out to a complete cheese ball move by Dave. I'm sorry. That ongoing 33 damage <laughs> is bogus. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's the man. He laid it on my monster at one point. In 13 days, you have this mechanic. I think it's probably was fourth edition two, where you have ongoing damage. At the end of every round, you take this damage and you make a save to try to get rid of it. And I had a monster that was taking 33 damage from Dave's incredible spell. Someone else hit him for 10 ongoing damage, and there was another one too. He was stuck or whatever. He had to save. I just call foul. My monster should not suffer so much. Oh, poor little monster. <laughs> okay, sorry. So you were going to do some reading. I was going to do some reading about the Dragon Empire, but I ran out of time. Okay. I do know some things about the setting because mm-hmm. I've played a lot in 13th Age. Yeah, it's the 13th yeah. Age setting, the default setting in the book, Dragon Empire. The Dragon, Dragon Empire. Empire. So you got some pros and cons. The pros are, in a nutshell, uh, many key mysteries are explained as one of several. Right. Often three possibilities. Highly evocative geographical, political, monstrous, and cultural features. And you can... You can uh, 
continue from there. Yeah. So there's so there's a lot of this in the 13th age where like if they explain why, like, why does the king, why does the emperor always do this? They'll give you three different possibilities. And of course, you could, you know, take it to be your own and in your 13th age game and your dragon empire. But some of the cool things I liked was there's this thing called the Trail of the Koru Behemoths. Now, these behemoths are basically kaijus and they follow this trail that they travel around the dragon empire. So these big creatures, several of them in a row. And by big, I mean, we're talking nearly Godzilla, oh, really Godzilla size, and they make their way around. They're bigger than the Terrasque, actually, and they follow this path that takes however long. And there's even people groups that live on top of them, and some of them, they actually live, they have a village on top of uh, one of those behemoths. I had you, one of the adventures I did last year during the year, not during CabinCon, remember you met that one village that they lived on top of this behemoth. Um, there's also a great crack in the earth in a place called the Red Waste that leads to the abyss of demons that is blocked by this great gold worm who's one of the icons in the realm. His body is both physical and, and, and sort of mystically placed inside that crack to the abyss to keep the hordes back. So it's very evocative and flavorful. Um, um, some folks might call it gonzo, which would not be unfair, but it's not always gonzo, but it's, it's big. It's bigger than life. And... Um, those are really, to me, just just scream adventure. You can think of the things you could do. And um, I even read it. Well, that's funny that I ran the adventure this time had to do with the abyss and that crack in the earth. And that was pretty yeah. fun. So we had a good time. Um, the constant machinations of the 13 icons. The icons are the movers and shakers of the world. The Archmage, the Prince of Shadows, the Great Gold Worm, the Diabolist. Um, they're the movers and shakers. And your, your characters are usually connected to them in some way, even if distantly. And it makes it makes the motivations for adventuring quite exciting. Um, I have one more comment about a geographical feature, the Midland Seawall, uh, which, along with the power of the Archmage, keeps massive sea monsters at bay from the Empire. Mm. And um, so, you know, you, it just really is about fast, rollicking, high adventure, um, very much open for the DM to do whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. And we kind of use it as a shared world at CabinCon uh, now. Me and Dave have run games. Phillips run games in it. I don't know who else has. You have. You've run games yeah. in it. You have your own imprint on that that our world of the Vision of the Dragon Empire. So yeah, lots of lots of pros I think for that for a fun, especially for a CabinCon game. It's perfect because the game is easy to play if you know D and D and no tricks. Um, just jump in and do some cool stuff. Right. Uh, the good thing about 13th age is that it's easy to make a character. Yep. Uh, and, and I don't know how it relates specifically to fourth edition, but for what people are saying, it's pretty similar. Well, it has recoveries instead of like the, what was it? You got something where you can get your own. Basically, you don't have to have a cleric to heal yourself. You can right. have a chance to do it yourself. Heroic, you know. I get my resolve back and I get to roll some hit, hit dice to get some hit points back and you can do it so many times. Um, but as a setting, I think it's really evocative. Um, do you have any others that you would add or do you want to go on to the con? No, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. <clears throat> um, I think the pros, the pros are that it's, that it's very evocative and easy to run and easy to come up with things to run yep. in that setting. Yeah, I think the cons are there's, and this is fair. There's almost too many extremes for one, what I call small landmass. Um, and I think you know the core behemoths, and I haven't even listed half of them. All the craziness that goes on, it's not quite rifts, but it's probably a distant second. 
Right. And it's got quite a few things. Sometimes I'm like, man, can all this really be going on? But as a DM, I feel very comfortable. And then you're encouraged. Make it your own. This is just our idea of the Dragon Empire. You could subdue a lot of that stuff if you wanted to. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. See, the, the pros and the cons are the same. Yeah, they are. A it's lot of Yeah. Now, one that might just be me that I don't care for, there's no gods mentioned, um, which is fine, but um, it's always like the nameless deities of good or evil or death or life or, you know, agriculture or business. And for a lot of people, that's okay because this game is about getting on with the adventure. Let's get to the exciting part. Yeah. And resource management is not a thing. In many ways, it's the it's the opposite of uh, a lot of the OSR games, like old school, where it's zero to hero. This is, I'm pretty darn good hero already at level one, and I'm going to be unbelievable by level 10. Right. Um, I'm not a fan of the pure kitchen sink aspect of the world. Almost anything seems to go. Um, and I know you got magic and dragons. I get it. But I would say it's probably a snowflake's paradise. Yeah. Because you have what's one unique thing. I'm getting more into rules here. But the world itself just seems to say whatever the player wants, that happens. If they want to say they have a god, that's great. I mean, I played a clear a couple of times. I always pick a deity. I name them. And like, you know, I did in that one game with, with Dave, I named it my god. I had a purpose. And I just I just like that better than eh, the gods. They're the gods. And they don't really care. And you just get power. And it doesn't matter to me. But um, I think that's one of the only drawbacks that I really see in the setting. Yeah, it makes it a little lesser. And I understand why the designers probably did that, because it's one less thing to have to design. Yeah. Make considerations of. And I think that the focus of the game is less on otherworldly entities and more on the ones that are right there on the ground. Yeah. And I kickstarted a, a third party book, which I have. It's pretty good. It's not as good as I'd hope, but they define their own deities. They have groups of deities. So theirs, theirs is literally built around deities. They've changed things around. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but generally, that's the that's the um, what I would consider the only cons. Did you have any other thing else you would say that? You're not terribly fond about the setting. Setting. The setting. Not I mean, we really. Have, we have mechanics I, issues, but not yeah. setting. Yeah. I think the the pros and con- uh, all the pros are double edged swords. This yes. is really cool, but. Yep. Like you said, it can being Gonzo could be a pro, but it could also be a con. I do think it has a pro, at least for us, it seems to work really well for a shared world, especially yeah. Cabin Con. So um, the setting is easy to, you can throw your crap in there and nobody's like, well, why is that there? Well, it's 13th age, crazy stuff happens. Well, I brought uh, in uh, the uh, Flying Dragon Mountain from yeah, second was, edition as and that was fine. A, a tone changer. Yeah. But I, yeah. I didn't get a chance to work on it, so I didn't. But if do there's it a region of our dragon empire that has that in there, and there's dragons all over the place, and their minions are up to no good, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So how would you rank this bad boy? So I think I would probably, uh, probably XL. Oh wow, yeah. I think I lean more toward uh, large, but it's only I think at the moment. So I'm somewhere somewhere between large and extra large again using the moniker tall i would say it's a large tall um i like it happy to play it but not the best but i think it's only because my mindset is more toward resource management which that game does not even remotely give a crap about your resource management management is for your character's powers not for his stuff no because you know he has money he has the money he needs he has lodging if he needs it we don't you don't want to waste time on that and i get it 
folks that want to play, if we have some folks that only really get their gaming in at Cabin Con, and they don't want to worry about crap like that. And that's a, just a style. So I, I guess because um, you can make the the setting as much or you can make of the setting as much or as little as you like. That's what I like really about it. Yeah. You're playing setting in a lot of places plays really large in, in the game in this it's there. <clears throat> I guess you could say it plays in pretty large, but you can safely ignore most of it you and could. still play and not worry. Absolutely. About it. Oh, you can, you can run your own world. There's no yeah. problem with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, as a player, Right. I think even as a DM, you don't have to do all the setting stuff. You could have, you can make your own. I would feel, I started it. Remember we started several years back. I started my own version of 13th age with a new world, you mm-hmm. know? And um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get back to it, but I'd like to, because actually like I decided on the icons of my world. So it was different. Yeah, it was, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have anything else to say about that? Or are we moving I, on? I think we're moving on. All right. Coming to the end. Uh, again, I'm going to um, say I'd like to thank Pat for all he did. Patrick, Absolutely. All he did at Cabin Con. It was great. Yeah. Well, we, need, we, need, we need a producer. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to support our show, please uh, help get the word out and check out our website at biggestgeekspodcast.com and uh, check out that support tab if, if you feel like uh, helping us out with a little dough. If not, that's great too. Share uh, sharing with your friends and, and, uh, or just acquaintances acquaintances on social media is great too. Um, that's what we want right now is uh, uh, the word to spread. Yeah. Uh, so you can check us out on YouTube as well. Um, I'm going to try to get out both the podcast and the YouTube video out today. Cool. Um, do have some gardening to do, so I don't know if yeah. I'll get both. But I'm we got some try. nice weather, so you want to go out there and do that. Right. And uh, rate us. I'd also like to challenge folks to um, – Put up a review. Yeah. You know, tell us, tell uh, other people what you think is, uh, as well as just us. Yeah. See what, see what you think of us mouth breathers, man. You might, yeah. you might, you might hate us too. It's cool. You might have even more creative names than mouth breather for us. That's true. And I, I would like probably, to see all of them. Me too. Um, if you have any questions or comments, our email currently is questions at biggest Feel free to send any, anything, any kind of note you'd like. Currently, have plans. I have plans. Show us plans within plans. Of a new email address, it will be just called the Geeks. Yes. At biggest geekers podcast instead of questions. Gotcha. Not so currently. No questions. Have some spam. Yep. But no real comments are good too. Questions are like comments. You know, you can make anything you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we have a bunch of uh, podcasts that we like, and that we're going to uh, have um, links to in the show notes. Um, anything new you want to add to that list? No, but I think we're going to have a tiny little, ne- I think it's going to be tiny negative plane segment. At yeah. The end. We're not all that negative this week because we're Pat- really not. We're not um, whinging very much. Not, not this week. Uh, not bitterly, mainly, not bitterly, not bitterly, not bitterly whinging. No. Uh, because we had cabin con. Yes. We are very happy. So this is Joe and I'm Randy. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us.
So, yep. Negative, negative material plane. plane. Yep. I. This is maybe a minor gripe. Maybe <sighs> maybe you could call this whinging. Yes. Well, let's whinge a little bit. But it's we don't certainly want not uh, bitter. It's uh, yeah. We don't want good many of seven thousand. I would call it spicy. Ooh, yeah. A little hot sauce. No, because I don't like that stuff. Right. Anyway, like I was pepper, on low pepper, a little like table pepper because yeah. Joe's was. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Anyway, um, I was on drive through RPG trying to find something new to get, perhaps. And I'm looking at the uh, previews you can look at. And, uh, you know, some time back in the day, 80s, maybe 90s. Mm-hmm. There were there was a Dragon Magazine article that was like uh, we should put more mem- feminine pronouns in our books, and uh, I didn't really understand that then, and I still don't understand it now. Uh, I think well, not I guess intellectually, yeah, I know why they're doing it because they want people to feel included. Uh, Some perceived imbalance just because you use he, even though we say mankind. Now, that's a bad thing, too, I guess. Through use, he has become the neutral in English, in English literature. When you don't know anything about that individual, uh, common use is him, Mm -hmm. he, until you find out differently. It's just, it's not about exclusion. So trying to correct that with putting she in all over the place, you know, you do want to do what you do. That's fine. I just yeah. found it irritating. It, it maybe you want to just not buy it. So it and seems a little me it being feels, it might be me being a little petty. Well, but I can it's be just irritating. Like, I can't recall if they do it or not, but I know in the Aliens RPG book, the GM is the game mother. And at first I was like, What? My what? natural Yeah, the game mother. GM is the game mother. In aliens? Yes, but it makes well, sense. That makes sense. Mother, mother, and so they referred to it as I think you're referred to as she, which is fine, even if they because that kind of fits the theme. Well, so if you were going to say she or her instead of he or him, I can kind of live with it. I mean, it's still going against convention, but okay, whatever. You're being cool. right. So they had the mother. Uh, mother yeah. was the ship's computer, and, and it's the guy uh, behind the screen. So. It also makes sense because ships are traditionally referred to as she. Correct. Anyway. And so if you wanted to use, I can't recall if they did, they probably did. Whenever they reference, reference the game mother, they go her or she. And that's whatever. That's fine. I don't care. But I, I do think sometimes it's way overblown. Right. So yeah. we've been talking about also about Avenger Satanus, which, you know, the dude seems okay. His moniker is a little odd. Probably chosen out of uh, maybe shock value. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And RPG Pundit, we've talked about them a little bit. And uh, you recommended the Rolling Bones uh, podcast or interview show on YouTube. With Ryan Howard. With Ryan Howard. Oh, is it on YouTube as well? It's on YouTube. Actually, I went to the website. It was weird. I kept clipping, clipping, clicking on the uh, episode uh, that you're talking about. Yeah. Keep playing other episodes. That's weird. That's very weird. Maybe it's on Howard's end. So I had to go, so I just typed it into, um, well, I don't use Google because they track you. I use Brave browser. Oh, okay. I put it in the in the search bar, just Rolling Bones with Ryan Howard, and a YouTube channel came up, and okay. I was able to find it there. And I and uh, just listening to it in the background, got about halfway through. 
Ryan Howard's a young whippersnapper, 25 ish, mm-hmm. played a little bit. He's, he does pretty good. He's, he's very excited to be a part of role playing. He, he likes calls himself an anarchist. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So th- not the bomb throwing sort. But right, right, right. Exactly. More of the Eric July anarchist yeah. type thing. So uh, it's interesting. And I just, and I was expecting something like some, because, you know, Benger has made some crazy claims. You said on Twitter he has a, says he's a wizard or if, something. If I'm if I'm remembering cor- correctly, it was a Twitter bio thing. Not, I saw some, not anything he verbalized. Right. And some old um, post where he said he identified as a Zarakir lizard people with tentacles. And it and could they, just be now looking at I, that pre- in my present uh, state of mind. I'm like, oh, he's just playing on the Twitter bio people who put insist on putting their gender, even though it's very obvious. I think he might be, too, because when he was interviewed by Howard, he seemed pretty, I guess, by today's standards, some of the stronger uh, left leaning folks or lefties would look at him as being like conservative. But I would say he's just kind of a regular dude who's really fairly open minded from what he says, especially when it comes to sex. His Alpha Blue book or adventure or RPG was pretty had a lot of sexual notation and sexual connotations and maybe visuals. And apparently some people got mad at him for that. Some of the extreme lefties, I don't know, because he didn't include enough weird stuff, but I. Overall, he seems like a pretty reasonable guy. So I can't, other than the fact that he's not towing towing the line as far as the party line, as far as, you know, identity politics and uh, full throttle wokeness, I don't know why folks have problems with him. Well, it's probably a combination of issues. One, he has a following. Okay. And he's not towing the line. If he's not towing the line and is not having a following, they don't care. Correct. Like us, Un- you have individuals, but you're, no one's going to come after us right now. Correct, because we have no following. We got like three people listen to our podcast, so who cares? <laughs> well, we have more than that, but not much. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, not much. Not much. So yeah, nothing to even be worried about. But I'm right. sure should someday we become something, you know, as great as we're likely to become. Um, and he has some <laughs> uh, bestsellers on our uh, on um, drive through RPG. There so you he's go. Making money. He's yep. successful. So. Those factors combine yeah. in the I, in the mind of the left as someone they need to take down. Yeah, they have to and, interrogate him for. And it sounds like he's not white supremacy or something. Him nonsense. and pundit both don't seem like they have any intentions of giving in to the to the stupidity. Right. So canceling those two sounds like a non-starter. So um, yeah, but I I don't know. I mean, I hope. I hope they keep on keeping on. Even if I don't like to buy Avenger stuff, I don't know if I would. It might be too sexualized for me. Pundit stuff, maybe. I want to check some of it out. I might check both of them. And I want to see. I might buy something from them. Yeah, it might not end up keep buying them, but it's not going to be because yeah. of no-no words that they say yeah. or whatever. It's they going to be whether we like the product or not based that's on it. its merits. That's it. It has nothing to do with yeah. anything. Um, I guess to be fair with us, though, you think about it, we uh, – well, no, that's, that's different. That's not really quite no-no words. So, so I guess why, uh, one of the reasons why we keep on this is we just don't understand why people – we should understand it because most likely it's just that they're not towing the line Correct. combined with their success. So, right. um, uh, Who have they hurt? Anybody out there? Tell me they what thing they've done. They haven't has, stolen anybody's game books and prevented them from Physically playing. or emotionally abused, hurt someone. Now, there are claims like that with Zach Smith. Well, yeah, claims, but nothing proven. And I said, outside of that, I mean, what are they really doing? And you say, if you say gatekeeping, I'm going to say bullcrap. 
because no no one gets to keep the gates well you can say all the blabbering you want i've i've watched a couple of uh avengers videos and he says the phrase this is what the osr is so if you you consider that gatekeeping (laughs) right he can't stop you from playing however you want to play and you can label your product osr and there's nothing he can do right right so yeah all right i would appreciate any advice any comments of that can counter that and let us know what the real deal is. But my gut feeling is there is nothing to it. It's just a bunch of wine babies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a couple of successful guys who, who um, are not liked by the, uh, by the social justice warriors for what's probably, and I'm not going to do any investigation. No, because I've done all I'm going to do. I don't care, but yep. uh, more, most likely it's going to be about their no, no words. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna buy. I'm buying some stuff from Pundit and Venture because I want to see what the big deal is. Just because I want to see what it is, but mm-hmm. I, I may not like it, and I may say, "Yeah, okay, cool." So for some people, not for others. So that's all right. All right. Well, I think uh, I that's, think I've that's ranted. a short negative plane. Thing? Oh, very minus, minuscule. Minuscule. No, no, not much to complain about. I don't really. feel bitter. I don't feel like I'm worried about them taking my hobby away from mm-hmm. me. Um, it's so. unfortunate that that. Um, the two biggest purveyors of games have gone the way they've gone. It's not like it was a secret. It's just that they've leaked it into the game and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And they just gone a path that I'm not following. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's not they stealing. can keep making games. I'm not going to suggest to anybody no. to boycott you, them or any of that. And nonsense. if you like it, gobble it up and play your butts off. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Anywho. All right. Later. That's it from us. And yep. you'll hear us from us again next week. Yep.